This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0, and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. I'm Kayla Anderson, alongside my co-host Joshua Perry. Of course, this Press Pass podcast brought to you by Bet Online. First and foremost, my friend, how are you doing this morning? I feel like we are both on our podcast games because we did not have a technical issue. This is the best start we've had in like <laughs> four or five weeks. So super excited. But the thing that we both said as we jumped on here. My allergies are out of control this morning. I know. I sneezed before I got on this podcast. And we were talking about this. You know, you go out anywhere, you're clearly wearing a mask. But I've found sometimes, because allergies are really bad in Nashville, because we're kind of in a valley of sorts. Mm -hmm. So whenever I do go out and I perhaps have to sneeze or anything like that, of course, if you're doing it, you're doing it to your elbow. But um, I always feel so, so like, awful that I have to explain myself. Like, believe me, I don't have the virus. Like I'm just, you know, I've got allergies. Yeah. That's a weird place to be in. And that's like the first thing I said to you, I'm going to go out mm-hmm. in the world and my allergies probably aren't going to clear up until afternoon because you know, that's just how my <laughs> life is. Right. And people are going to be looking at me like, man, is this guy like, uh-huh. is he exposing me to the Corona? And I'm like, I promise you I'm not, yeah. I'm exposing you to my allergies and that's it (laughs) yeah no and that's the thing it's like especially in some of these places i don't think i had allergies that bad in columbus oh they would come and go but joshua you didn't i know you didn't spend much time down here you were born here in nashville 
But yes. I will tell you, my friend, it is bad. It oh, is I know. Bad here. I know. It, uh, I can because we've been back plenty of times to Nashville, and I can remember yeah. times where uh, we would go outside and like you could visibly see pollen on surfaces. Yeah. It's bad like that in Atlanta too. They have like pollen showers at times. Um, so disgusting. The only place I've really been and lived where my allergies weren't bad at all was San Diego. Yes. You know, there's no reason Go for, figure. yeah, right. But yeah, I mean, um, I, I've always been a, uh, a miserable person when it comes to allergies and I'm allergic to like every type of pollen, you know, grass, tree oh, pollen, yeah. uh, ragweed, corn pollen. We live in Ohio. <laughs> Ain't nothing but cornfields out here in the suburbs. Like, so right? <laughs> the, the struggle is real. Yeah. So if you see it, if you hear us, I should say sneeze during this podcast, we are telling you we don't have coronavirus. We just have really bad allergies. Um, well, thanks for joining us on this episode of Press Pass. We have so much to get to. It has been a crazy past week for college football as the dominoes have started to fall when it comes to this upcoming season. Let's start with the big announcement by your conference, the Big Ten, earlier in the week. Um, so pretty much, I know that the Power Five schools had been talking about coming out with a unified plan of sorts, but it, it looked like the Big Ten was like, we're ready to make a decision, which I'm actually grateful that somebody made some sort of a decision. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, that's going to be the decision that we're going to see in the long run pan out. But the Big Ten did say that it will go to a conference-only schedule for all fall sports, and that includes the biggie, football. So a lot of these you know, big non-conference games that were going to happen, um, I believe it was Michigan and Washington, Oregon and Ohio State. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so those biggies uh, will and I think no Wisconsin and Notre Dame, too. You're correct. Yes, those will not happen. But I think the biggest thing that we take out of this is that these non-conference games would make things a lot more difficult in the climate we're living in, in terms of day-to-day decision-making. And now that you don't have those, you have a little more wiggle room and time to work with when it comes to making decisions. And I think that's the big deal. You know, like I, I saw folks who were like, oh, you know, um, Ohio State's got to travel to, you know, such and such a Big Ten school. Um, and Bowling Green is not a very big distance for those guys to travel to the shoe or whatever the case is. And it's not about distance or anything like that, mm-hmm. like how, how much you're traveling. These guys travel chartered flights anyway. And, and you know, they, they, they're fully accommodated. They can handle um you know, the sanitizing of planes and all that kind of stuff. I think the the reality of the situation is exactly what you said is number one, when you eliminate those extra games, um, you're giving yourself the opportunity to space the games out more. So in a typical right. season where you might have uh, one or maybe two bye weeks total, you could put an extra two bye weeks in there for yep. a total of three or four for the year. It's a big deal. And then the other thing that you get to do is you mandate 100% of the way, if you're Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten Conference, um, what the protocols are for travel, for hotels, for game day, for practice, all that. You know, if you're you're Bowling Green, you're playing multiple 
conferences out of conference, right? Yeah. And if you're Ohio State, you're doing the same thing. Um, and so you can't tell the Pac-12 and then the MAC conference what they're going to do to make mm-hmm. sure that your players are safe. As, as the Big Ten, you get to make the call 100% of the way um, for what you know is best for your member institutions. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. And I do uh, know that when that announcement was made with all of our friends there in Columbus, I was kind of going through Twitter and seeing things pop up because I know that athletic director for Ohio State, Gene Smith, did talk that day. So I wanted to ask you about his tone because everything that I was reading from the reporters up there was that he did not feel confident and he he did not back away from sharing the, those feelings. Yeah, and he even mentioned, and I, I don't know the exact quote, but you know, like they, they had a, a teleconference a month ago and he was talking about uh, how he was optimistic and this, that, and the third. And, and this time around, he even mentioned that comment he made and he's like, I literally don't feel that way anymore. Yeah. And it's good to see that um, conference commissioners and athletic directors are being completely honest about it. And we've even seen in the state of Ohio, um, a push from not only our governor, but from Ryan Day, the head coach of the football team, and Gene Smith, yep. the Ohio State Athletic Director, and Justin Fields, and Chase Young, and, and different players. Chase Young mm-hmm. is not even a Buckeye anymore. I know, he, right? He, he made a video for folks in Ohio. But I guess the point of that is you see everybody now with the sense of urgency telling you, put on your damn mask yep. and, and stay away from people and wash your hands. We're literally telling you right now, if you don't do these things and we can't get this thing under control, we're not playing football. And exactly. people, you know, they, they, they still, they're going to do their own thing, which we all have free will and people don't want to necessarily hear that message. But we're at a point right now where, where, you know, these folks were, we were optimistic and we were trying to massage the issue and there's no more massaging it. Like it's either we're playing or we're not, and you have to do these things to get there. Yeah, they're definitely, you know, digging down there deep for the knot and saying, look, at we're, we've hit the pressure point where you've got to just do it. You know, you got to just wear your mask for the greater good of this country right now. Well, so the Big Ten made that decision, and then we knew that the dominoes were going to start falling. And I had guessed that the Pac-12 would be next. And sure. I was actually surprised that the Pac-12 wasn't first. But so Larry Scott, the commissioner of the Pac-12, who I always rip on, and I don't take any of that back. <laughs> I still feel true to all the thoughts that I've said about Larry Scott. Um, he actually has COVID. So yeah. I don't wish that upon anybody. And I'm, no. I hope he has a speedy recovery. But he's yeah. actually been doing all this work from home. So I'm surprised this even came out so quickly. But the Pac-12, you know, with a lot of those games in non-conference with the Big Ten, said we as well are going to a conference-only schedule. And I think for them especially, it's smart. I know that the numbers over there have catapulted after they had a lot of stuff under control in California and Washington, you know, and they didn't open up quickly and they still have started to see numbers just rising. And so I think it makes sense for that conference to follow suit and to make the decision um, that soon. So when I talk about these conferences and going to the conference only schedules, I even am going to take it as far, Joshua, as saying I could see if if they could only get in, you know, even less games than just a conference schedule to really make it division heavy at the top. Yeah, I, I don't see that as an issue. We spoke over the weekend 
And one of the comments I made to you is that I would be surprised to see like four or five games this year, mm-hmm. um, let alone a 10 game conference schedule. So yeah. if you told me that, you know, Ohio State was only going to play uh, games from the Big Ten East this mm-hmm. year and that was going to be their schedule. I would be first off excited (laughs) to even have that much football. But second off, I would be, I'd be proud of a conference for making a decision like that, knowing that you've got just a a limited opportunity to do this. Um, And you might as well just, you know, crown your division champs. And then if you have opportunities to play maybe a conference championship game, you go from there and kind of work it down the line like that. But yeah, I mean, I'm with you, you know, like, I, I don't see it really materializing into a full season anyway. So let's get some divisional games in. Yeah, no, that would be a plan to go to next if they if they have to start trimming down everything. So before we get into our next segment with the SEC and Commissioner Greg Sankey, what he had to say this past weekend, I'm going to go on a rant, Joshua. Let's do it. I don't do it much, but, you know, when there is enough, behind something that I'm like wanting to talk about and there's enough fuel, I'm going to bring out the fire. So, you know, with all this going on, you you look at college football and you look at the NCAA as a governing body and you think of them as really as a joke. I mean, they, they just have not been something um, like a group that, that we have much respect for. I mean, there's so much that we could go on and on about. But at this point is like, it's almost a breaking point for me because you look at like professional leagues who, yeah, they've had their issues in MLB, but you got the NHL, the NBA, the MLS who have come up with one major plan for all of their teams, guidelines, protocols that all teams follow. And then you have the NCAA in college football who came up with no unified plan didn't even bother to try and left it up to all the individual conferences to do it. And now we have, you know, pretty much a mess because everybody's going to be coming up with their own things. It gives us content. But at the same time, it's just crazy to think that the NCAA exists, but yet they don't do anything and take any action during a pandemic. Sure. Huh. Yeah. see some parallels. Don't do anything and don't take action during a pandemic. Just leave it up to... <laughs> you know, smaller governing bodies and then even the smaller governing bodies within those particular bodies to make decisions. Yeah. I I, I mean, I think that's been a recurring theme throughout this pandemic, not to get political on anybody, but I can understand your frustration because we've seen that play out. Um, But yeah, I mean, the reality of the situation is if you're the NCAA, I think the probably the easiest thing to do is to mandate to the the conferences what the protocol is going to be like, Hey guys, this is, these are the the guidelines. This is the baseline right here. Not like, how are we going to return to play? Like they tried to do like, literally this is what the season's going to look like. And then let the conferences go from there. Is everybody going to be happy? No, but it's like, again, on a national standpoint, am I going to be happy as an Ohioan doing stuff based off of what's happening in Texas, New York, California, Florida? Probably not, but it gives us some context and it gives us a framework to work within understanding that everybody needs to be on the same page to a certain extent. So um, I'm with you. The frustration is real um, and just like a a complete dearth of leadership um, Mm -hmm. in in a scenario where you, you need as strong of leadership as you can get. 
and I just, I wonder, you know, you looking at this situation that we're in, it's like, I don't see the need for them at all. And I can see these power five conferences because they have done a lot in terms of communication, um, you know, even over the past four months, I, I eventually could see that, you know, being the case where they kind of just take over for the major conferences um, when it comes to decision making, because really right now, uh, I don't even want to mention NCAA in, in, in any of the stuff we're talking about, because they just, to me, have nothing to do with it, you know? Right. So it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens um, over time with them. Well, sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. And there's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in the action for this week's UFC fight, or check out the odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back. Bet Online has future odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or check out daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag. Use that promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus, and that is promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online waging experts. So we talked about the Big Ten and the Pac-12, and there also are reports out there that the ACC is soon to follow, but they said they're not going to make a decision until the end of the month. Um, I haven't heard much out of the Big 12, but I have heard a lot <laughs> – I have heard a lot about the conference down here in the Dirty South, and that is the SEC, who always likes to, I think, be the last one to make a decision saying, you know, it's kind of an ego thing, I feel like. Like, we're going to make our decision on our own. We're not going to follow anybody's lead. So what is interesting, though, is, you know, Greg Sankey did say they are going to make a decision sometime by the end of the month as well. But then he came out over the weekend and he had some interesting words. And he said that his concern for the football season is high to very high. He says, we are running out of time to correct and get things right. That was during an interview on Marty and McGee on ESPN Radio on Saturday. Um, It's crazy because he's been so positive about this whole thing. Realistic, but positive. And Joshua, I mean, he's he's changing his tone right now. Yeah. Um, again, it's all the, the leaders of college football are literally telling you that things aren't looking very good right now. Um, but I'm also like for in one way, I'm happy that the Big Ten rolled out, you know, this this 10 game conference schedule idea just to, you know, put everybody on notice that they're not going to get a full season of football. But at the same time, I've got a lot of respect for the SEC waiting it out, um, you know, because I think the Big Ten's plan also um, gives a little bit of false hope to people who are clinging to that thought of a 10-game sure. schedule now. Whereas um, in the SEC, you're getting told that we're worried about it. It looks not good to very not good. And mm-hmm. we haven't made a decision yet, which means that we're holding out hope that things might change, but they probably won't. Right. So... I got some respect for that decision. And what's going to be really interesting, I think, is the reaction um, in the South if they don't have football. Because obviously football is an American institution, but especially in the South, um, people take a ton of pride in football. And it's, um, you know, it's a big deal, not only at the collegiate level, but at the high school level as well for athletes to get out there and compete and this and that. But um, also, 
when you look at some of the um, more prominent COVID, I don't want to say necessarily deniers, but um, more yeah. of the, the more casual COVID states uh, mm -hmm. would happen to be south of the Mason-Dixon. So I'm, I'm very curious to the reaction that would happen. Yeah, I I mean, it's it's interesting down here. I've talked with a couple of, I guess, writers in the SEC, people who do radio um, down here, and their thoughts are very similar to ours, where, you know, they're they know that the SEC wants to play football and every conference wants to, but it's just crazy down here, like how people live and die for it. But then it brings the question that if most people down here are football fans and diehard college football fans, might I add, why, why aren't all those people just putting on a mask and saying, okay, we're going to do it. I don't care what you say. Do it for college football. I don't care. Right. Just do do it for the greater good of what everybody wants to, you know, see, and that's sports for the majority of of us. Um, but down here in the South, especially Joshua, that's what I'm so surprised about. It's like if it takes college football to come out and say that's why you're putting on a mask, so be it. But just do it. Yeah, it's funny though because I'm I'm starting to get some people pushing back and saying, well. You know, if they want to, and, and again, not to get political, but I'm literally quoting people I've seen. But sure. you know, if if we we're if these leftist liberalized institutions want to indoctrinate people and try to tell us to wear a mask, then we don't need football anyway. Uh, okay. It, it, this now sounds like the NFL. Yeah, and and like here's the reality of the situation. I tell people all the time. Yeah. You know, Democrats own small businesses. Democrats like money, and Democrats watch football. Like, I don't know why this has to be. A liberal versus conservative. Not. I don't know why this is like somebody's trying to indoctrinate you with with their ideologies. No, I, I think people are literally trying to take precautions to make you safe, whether they work or not. You can debate, but if I told you, like, hey, um, you know, people drink, for example, um, those like emergency type drinks yeah. or whatever, right? Airborne. Yeah. Yep. Before they get on an airplane, um, there's not a lot of efficacy in the fact that they would protect you, sure. but they don't harm you. So people drink no. just in case yeah. they do work. And that's, that's kind of my, my illustration for that. But it's just, it's, it's a little bit maddening that we're to a point where everything is um, so polarized mm -hmm. and reality situation. I just want to watch some damn football this fall and I'll be pissed yeah. off if I can't. I know me too. And, and plus we want to do our jobs, right? Joshua? Yes, absolutely. Goodness. Well, I know, you know, these big schools, that's one thing. These, power five conferences you know the money is one thing when it comes to what could be at stake if there is no football or if there are small amounts of football this upcoming season but then you start to get into these small schools losing money and we, yes. we already are seeing what's happening with some of these big 10 impact 12 schools going to just conference schedules because now some of these smaller schools that were paying them, um, they, you know, were waiting for those big paydays. They're losing money already. And so what specifically I had read was universities reportedly stand to lose an upward of 160 million if all non-conference games are canceled in 2020. Um, this is a, this is a big amount and it's, it's a really sad thing to talk about because I mean not all of us get the opportunities to go play 
at big time conferences, in sure. big time conferences. Okay, we, a lot of these athletes come out of smaller schools, and it's just sad to see that you know the future of some of these programs could be in jeopardy. So smaller schools rely on non conference games, obviously in many cases, to fund a large portion of their their whole athletic budget. Whether small schools receive payment will ultimately depend on the language of obviously the contracts that they signed with those power five schools. So what I'm saying is they, they could get some sort of money, even though those games are getting canceled, but Joshua, this, this could be devastating. Yeah, no, it could absolutely be devastating. And the reality of the situation too, like when you talk about that 160 million number, that's talking about like a direct transfer of cash from one institution Mm -hmm. to another. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess the the outside part of that too, and not that anybody should feel bad, but like if you're a big university, um, those are, I mean, that's revenue that you're losing too, just from yeah. you know concession parking, all that kind of stuff too, where you get those schools on yeah. campus. Like the 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 whole football economy is is definitely going to be struggling. We've seen big universities with the impact of not being able to forecast their budgets, they're cutting sports sure. and stuff. So yeah. if you're a small school, that's really going to damage you. And I, I think this is where the small school thing really has the lasting impact is yeah. not everybody gets to have, like you said, you can't play football at Ohio State. You can't play at Alabama, whatever, whatever. But I know plenty of cats who I played against in high school who got to play at uh, New Mexico State, um, sure. who got to play at Akron, Bowling Green, Kent mm-hmm. State. So for high school sports, when you start to see these athletic departments that might be shrinking, they might have to reclassify. Yeah. That hurts the high school athletes who weren't, you know, the four and five star standout players that still have a great opportunity to develop into late blooming, great college football players. That's where I'm disappointed. It is. And and it's, it's, it goes beyond football too, Joshua. I mean, I mean, some of them are just dropping their uh, athletic programs completely um, outside of football. And, and I feel yeah. awful for those kids too, um, for, you know, females who the, some of the women's sports absolutely well that are getting well, canceled. It's and so here's tough. the reality of the situation is, is my fiance, um, she was supposed to play college volleyball at Cincinnati and she had an injury and sure. didn't, but like, imagine if you were that player and yeah. that was going to be your way to getting into the school that you wanted to is, be, yeah. you know, you ended up being a standout, playing whatever sport it was and you get a call and they're like, Hey, we got to cut some sports that happened um, with Brown university back in like may, they were getting ready to cut like 12 varsity sports and uh, their student athletes pushed back on it really hard to the point where they didn't end up cutting all 12 of them. They they had to cut a few, but like there were incoming freshmen that were like, Holy moly. I was supposed to go to an Ivy league school and yeah. now I've got to find a new plan because they're getting ready to cut my sport. Like that's a really tough space to be in. Absolutely. Like it's, it's not tough enough right now. Right. For these, yeah. for these high school kids coming out of high school. I mean, their world's been turned around. Uh, you know, what's interesting. I was reading actually, before I get to that, I did want to mention, I was listening to an interview on ESPN radio yesterday and they were talking to Charlotte's um, athletic director. And just the effects that it's having on them, they had to cancel or they're, they're thinking they're going to have to cancel. Eventually they've got their opening game with Tennessee Mm. and they were talking about just like how much money they're going to lose, like over a million dollars easily. And 
he though was saying there are some programs I don't know how just I guess great alumni um, when it comes to just bringing in money but I guess he said you know even if we don't get those big games those big paydays this year he's like we're actually not going to have to cut our athletic department wow. which is which is amazing and he goes and I I will say thank you to the previous athletic director for just all the the fundraising and just all the alumni that bring in the money. So there are some programs that are fortunate out there that have just a great alumni group and can bring in that extra money so that they don't have to do that. But he goes anything more than a year, it would be not good. So yeah, if this I mean, ever went beyond that, which we haven't even talked about yet. Right. And that's know, the deal. It's like, you know, I, I, I said it the other day and this is not to be funny because it's, it's a real issue, but, America right now is like really a nation of families, businesses, mm -hmm. athletic departments that are living um, paycheck to paycheck, essentially. Yes. And so, you know, like for an athletic department, a small athletic department, especially to be able to make it a year without having to cut sports is special. But it'd be like anybody else where, um, you know, your your income decreases for two years in a row while you yeah. have the same expenditures at home there's not a way you can sustain that. And so that's where I feel bad. It's like, again, I, I think that, um, you know, some of these big budget programs, whatever, whatever, probably need to have a little bit more defensive budgeting in there for situations like this, but it's just I like think. a household. Nobody, nobody anticipated a pandemic was going to be the reason why people were going to be hurting like this. So, sure. you know, it's, it's just, it's a unique circumstance. And, and sports has always, I guess, um, withstanded so much in, that's gone on in our country. It's, it's yes sports has never been really put on pause. So that's why this is so great, even greater than anything before, because everything has been put on pause and everyone's suffering, you know, whereas sports sometimes can go on and we can have something to look to. Um, now, you know, sports is, is being threatened. And on the note of some of those smaller schools, I did want to mention this because Charlotte will be lucky because their athletic director said they can withstand this year if they, you know, don't get those big payouts. New Mexico State, on the other hand, they already are having their game with UCLA canceled, and their other big payout is Florida, which that will likely get canceled as well. So they stand to lose $2.7 this year. So here's the big thing with that. If they lose a certain amount of money, you're then going to look at, okay, you're going to have to cut another program within your athletic department. But the problem with some of these schools, Joshua, if they do that, they would drop below 16 programs within their athletic direct, uh, department, and that means they are no longer considered an FBS school. You have to have 16 programs within your athletic department to be considered FBS. That is going to be um, a very in interesting situation to watch because I guarantee you a lot of these schools are right at that number. Yeah, and, and this is something I learned just this morning when we were talking about it. So uh, it's an interesting piece of information, but I think a very impactful piece of information. Like you said, um, there there have got to be a bunch of teams that are sitting right there at 16, 17, 18, whatever the case is, that are going to end up cutting, you know, two, three, four, five sports to mm -hmm. be able to to make it through this pandemic. That that definitely changes the landscape of things. It's it's a it's a really 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 strange situation. Like I, like everything else we're talking about, but yeah, I, I just I don't know if anybody ever anticipated the impact that this would have on sports would be so visceral. Like you know, right. hey, do we miss some games? 
you know, hey, do we play with or without fans? Like, those are things that people talked about, I think, we were mentally prepared for. I don't think the financial impact was something that was necessarily in the forefront in terms of thinking about smaller schools and cutting sports, but also, like, going from FBS to FCS. I don't mm-hmm. think anybody who's just a casual fan ever thought about that, but that's a huge deal. It is, and it's it's a it's a definite different level, you guys. I mean, I've covered both the FBS and the FCS, and I love the FCS. And Absolutely. And they have great football over there. They have a great system. But at the same time, it, it's a total different level, and most FCS schools just dream of that day that they become an FBS school. A lot of them work really hard to you know, get to that level, like an Appalachian state, right? Absolutely. But it is, it is going to be interesting to see what happens with some of these schools. Um, it's, it's, it, things are just going to look different after this year, and it's going to take a while for things to look normal again. Before we wrap this up, I wanted to ask you, did you, did, did you get anything good on um, Twitter this week, Joshua? Any like interesting conversations? Let me let me scroll Any, uh, through because you know some of these anyone? conversations. I know, I'm like looking right now at your. Usually, do. you catch my eye when when you have like an actual debate with somebody. I know. There was it's really no the debating. I I I was retweeting um, all of the news about you know how state sent their guys home, which we didn't even really talk about. Yeah, I know, and I was gonna get, but then it's like we had all that other news come I out. Know. After that. It's crazy. But yeah, but I mean that's that's. Terrible sign. Bring guys back and send them back home. It's like holy moly. Um, so this is this is a funny one. It's not really funny, but it's kind of funny. So there was that that protest in St. Louis, and the protesters went into like that private gated neighborhood, and then you saw the husband and wife who came out wielding guns. They were shoeless. The husband had a mustard stain on his brother's shirt. Um, the wife didn't have shoes on flinging a pistol around um anyway so obviously people were up in arms and um you know like they they were in a private neighborhood they weren't on the people's property um but you know the people made a claim that they shouldn't have been there so they were able to protect their neighborhood whatever the case is so somebody did an investigative report on these folks and i'll just i'll i'll put it boil it down to this um they're both lawyers they are very litigious people they've sued over everything they have sued um, their neighborhood trustees, which is basically their HOA, a number of times over plenty of different things. They sent a cease and desist um, and a restraining order to a Jewish school for um, putting up beehives too close to their property line or something. They said it was uh, technically a trespass. It was encroaching. And they knocked the beehives down. Um, oh, it was a oh. part of this ki- these kids' science curriculum. And then oh. my favorite part was the husband was was written out of his father's will. His father had a bunch of land. It was, you know, he's grew up with money. He was written out of the will. He sued the family for his rightful portion uh, to the, to the trust in the estate. And they gave him $400,000 to walk away and never talk to them again. So. Oh my. What? This sounds like a a reality. It does. It sounds like a, a, a drama you know, one of those types of things. But here's the reality of the situation is I'm a I'm a two A supporter. Um, I'm a gun owner myself. I, sure. I I own a gun because I believe in my right to protect my home. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I'm mm-hmm. not a, a gun wielding person. I've I've never yeah. actually taken it out of the home. But in saying all of that, it's it's really weird to uh to to stand outside pointing guns at people that aren't on your property 
And then when you get the investigative report, it, it just, it makes this seem like some sort of dystopian world we're living in where like these people are just like everyday neighbors, husband and wife, whatever, whatever. Dude got paid nearly a half a million dollars because his family told him, we don't want to ever hear from you again. Amazing. That is incredible. What Joshua always is bringing us the stories that I'm like, is this really actual like real life? Or is this, like I said, a movie of some sorts, a reality movie, you know, it's just a movie. so crazy to me that 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 those kind of people are even out there you know just they exist making us all just want them to go away just here yeah, yeah. we'll no, pay you seriously just don't talk to us again ever we know again. your family members just get away yeah four hundred thousand dollars <laughs> that's a that's a lot of money to pay somebody to never talk to again man that is nuts i had something to say and i felt like it was really it would it would have been a great way to end this podcast and go figure that I had a point in the party. I mean, we I almost made it. We almost made it. We almost made it through this without having some sort of a situation. This was not a technical situation. This was a Kayla situation. <laughs> Kayla which, situation. Which does happen sometimes. But we always appreciate you guys listening. Uh, if you want to go subscribe to our podcast, you can go to Apple Podcasts. Just type in Press Pass. Give us a subscribe. Just hit that button. And then give us a rate and review. We really appreciate the feedback. I feel like we're getting more and more of that. And then that allows us to, you know, go to certain directions with this podcast. Um, It allows us to know that we're actually doing it for a reason because there's people out there listening. And so we appreciate you. Um, You can go and follow us on our Instagram. That is at PressPassPod. Joshua where he always has great conversations with all the people out there. Where can they go to follow you? Uh, You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at RIP underscore JEP. And whether it's a conversation, whether I'm retweeting an investigative expose on the best America has to offer, um, you'll you'll find the timeline to be interesting. I uh, have my Twitter as well, guys, and I'm all over the place. I've got a little bit of everything, but it is at Kayla Anderson TV. That's also my Instagram. And I remembered what I was going to say. Yes. I wanted to say that I know you guys can't go to the Memorial Tournament this upcoming week. Uh, By the way, there was golf at Muirfield this past week. It was phenomenal. There was a playoff, and I was loving every moment of it. But guess what? Tiger is back, y'all. He was not going to miss Jack's tournament. Of course not, because Jack's the greatest of all time. And so I was going to say, if you have that backyard we were talking about that one time, I hope you get to watch a little golf. Oh, I'm going. Man, I'm so jealous. Yeah, I'll take can photos. Can you send me like a picture or something? I will. See Tiger in the distance and like give I me will a take photos. Absolutely. I mean, it's going to be fun for you guys. If you, even like you said, because there's all these houses, if you guys don't know this, um, the, you know, Muirfield is a community. So there's all these houses on the actual golf course. So while tur- fans aren't able to go to the tournament anymore, there's still going to be people watching in their yards and probably building up little seats of their own, like grandstands of their own, having here, you know, their socially distanced parties there to watch some great golf this weekend. I cannot wait. It was one of my favorite things that I covered up in Columbus. So enjoy that, my friend. Um, we will talk next week. As for all of you guys, have a wonderful week, and we'll be back here same place, same time next week. <laughs>